Hey everyone, today I am talking with Dr. Nate Zinser. Dr. Nate Zinser is the director of the Performance Psychology Program at the United States Military Academy at West Point. And he is also the author of a new book called The Confident Mind, A Battle-Tested Guide to Unshakable Performance. This is a fantastic book and it's accompanied by a fantastic conversation. I really do think you're going to love this conversation with Dr. Zinser. Thanks for listening. Pull up a chair and buckle up. It's the Original Strength Podcast. Thank you for doing this. Well, thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to talk about the book and communicate with your listeners. I, I, I've checked out some of your um, previous topics and previous guests, and um, uh, I got to say the the ethos, as I understand it, for your podcast is that we were designed, built to feel good and be strong. Um, yes, sir. I, I can go along with that. I think that's a pretty good place to start. I'm in 100% agreement with you on that one. I was going to say, I think this is right in line with that. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Dr. Zinster, uh, congratulations on your new book. Uh, I'm going to read the title for the listeners, The Confident Mind, A Battle-Tested Guide to Unshakable Performance. First of all, uh, just for the listeners, can you can you give a quick uh, background about yourself? Um, because it's it's pretty much a you're a who's who in the sports performance, I would say. Well, um, thanks for the compliment. I'll try to live up to my hype. Um, I am a sport and performance psychology professional. Uh, dare I say, expert? Again, modesty matters in these troubled times. Uh, I have a doctoral degree in sports psychology, a PhD from the education school at the University of Virginia. Um, that is a sports science degree. I'm not a clinical psychologist. I'm not a shrink, even though the word psychology pops up in my uh, job title and in my work. I have taught sports psychology at several uh, colleges. I, have, I wrote a sports psychology guidebook for kids back in 1990, Dear Dr. Psych. Um, it was serialized in the magazine Sports Illustrated for Kids. And for the last 30 years, I have worked at the United States Military Academy, West Point. Uh, West Point did something rather remarkable back in the early 90s. They decided that intangible factors such as confidence, when the crap hits the fan, focus despite distraction, composure and energy despite stress, these factors were kind of important to the development of cadets who are training to be officers in the, in the United States Army and possibly serve under the ultimately stressful condition, ground combat. West Point decided that these intangibles that everybody recognizes as important were way too valuable to just leave up, leave up to chance. So why not create a curriculum that addresses them? Why not create a training center where cadets can go meet with professionals in the field and engage in a systematic exploration study process of mentorship so that they can learn and practice and hopefully master the mental skills that will lead to confidence, concentration, composure, etc. I've been at that job for the last 30 years. 
so much of the material in the book, uh, The Confident Mind, is a distillation of my work here, combined with my work with professional athletes, Olympic athletes, um, other performance groups, musicians, ballet dancers, neurosurgeons, um, financial services professionals. How's that for a background? Did I do okay, that, Tim? That was fantastic. That was fantastic. Um, and that makes so much sense too, because this, this is, this is a good book. Um, and I say that because it's not just educational, but it's engaging. Um, you do a great job at tying in uh, stories from your experience and uh, science and data into, into how, how it works for us neurologically and how everything comes together to, to basically determine our outcomes, good or bad. Um, and I, I thought it was a very, very engaging book. So well done. Well, appreciate that. I did indeed have to work many years to find the right balance between storytelling, engagement, and science, and process, and procedure. Um, we live and die by stories because we're human beings, and that's been part of our human heritage. It's how we communicate and grew, you know, for as long as we've been walking around on the planet. Um, that's very important. We also have to balance that off with, okay, now that you're a little bit inspired, what are you actually going to do? What's your plan? How are you going to follow it up? So there's that, there's that balancing act uh, between the two parts of us, the, you know, the scientist and the artist um, that are important to work together, and they can work together very nicely. So this is funny, but for me, one of the litmus tests of, of a good book is not that it's just inspiring, but it, that maybe it moves you to to action hmm, um, to actually do something about it yeah. to actually do something you know not just get the warm feel goods about it but actually want to change and you know try to try to put what you learned or read into application so like it's then this is why i i would say that yeah this is a really good book because it has inspired me to when i go to bed at night i write down my three affirmations <laughs> yeah, good for you. and so yeah, like, so the mental bank, like, I don't know, so much of it resonates with me, the, the mental bank account deposits and things like that. But it actually, you know what, I was like, you know what, that just makes too much sense. And why not? What have I got to lose but experience and even, even, you know, trying this and seeing what happens with it to be curious enough to see, to apply it to see what would happen. Well said. Well, what kind of questions you got for me? I've got a tough question for you. Um, uh oh. And we'll see if you can answer it. What is, what is a first victory? Oh, that's not a tough question at all. <laughs> the, the first victory is the victory that any of us have to win against the internal enemy of fear, self-doubt, worry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Once we win that victory, we're in a much better position to achieve subsequent victories, like actually getting through the training workout, like actually getting through the negotiation, like actually succeeding at the performance. You have to win that initial victory against all those internal doubts and fears in order to be in the best possible position to win the game, win the negotiation, win against any other kind of opponent. I 
I took that phrase, the first victory, I, I, I determined that phrase from a quote that is right at the start of the book. It comes from the Chinese military strategist Sun Tzu, a very famous book entitled The Art of War, which goes back to the fifth century BC. And in that book, Sun Tzu provides the following advice or the following observation, I guess. He says, victorious warriors win first and then go into battle while losing warriors go into battle and then hope to win. So the first victory is this victory that establishes your confidence, your sense of certainty. That's the initial victory that every student, athlete, artist, business person, warrior has to win if he or she is really going to give him or herself the best chance to succeed. With that in mind, how, how does our thinking actually affect our neurology? Um, that is a vast question. The, 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 an, the quick answer is our thinking affects our, our neurology in many, many, many ways. Science is just beginning to determine the actual neurological pathways from which a thought about remembering your conversation with someone or remembering a pleasant experience or remembering a unpleasant experience. We're just beginning now to understand the specific neural pathways through which that thought passes through the brain down into the spinal cord, all the way to your heart, all the way to the hundred million neurons that inhabit your stomach lining all the way to your adrenal glands and other parts of your endocrine system that produce biochemical changes and you actually feel differently and your body actually responds in kind. I think most of your listeners can relate to the experience of having a nightmare. And in a nightmare, a whole bunch of emotionally powerful images flash before your eyes. And the next thing you know, you wake up with your heart pounding and your muscles clenched and your throat tightened. You may even be sweating. You're having the same physiological reaction that you would have if you were actually in a ridiculously stressful situation, like caught in a burning building or at the tip of a cliff and you're about to fall off or you're in a car crash, but you're not doing any of those things, yet your body is responding as if you are. It's a remarkable piece of communication from your mind to your cardiovascular system, muscular system, endocrine system, et cetera, et cetera. Every thought you think has a ripple effect down into your body. And we're just beginning to understand the technicalities of how that works. The term mind-body connection that's been around for a long time is very, very real. In the Western scientific tradition, up till quite recently, well, okay, the mind is the domain of priests and poets, but the body is the domain of medical doctors. And those two don't talk to each other very much because we think of the mind as being this abstract, non-physical entity, and we think of the body as this hunk of flesh that we walk around in. 
But boy, those two things interact all the time. And so when you think about, again, going back to the uh, example of the nightmare, there is an example of your mind literally changing your body, changing the state of the physical matter that comprises your being. Mind, it's not a matter of mind over matter. It's a matter of mind becoming matter, mind changing matter. Uh, and we live with this every day. The, the, the nightmare is a very uh, striking example, a very extreme example. But even just the, the memory of a pleasant conversation, the memory of a beautiful sunset, that thought sends neural, pat, neural messages down into your shoulders and you relax a little bit. It sends messages to the muscles in your face and they relax a little bit. We are all connected this way. And if we really wanna feel good and be strong, as is your message so often, Tim, why don't, why don't we take advantage of this mind-body connection? Let's use it. We have it all the time. It's operating whether we understand it or not. Well, why not take advantage of something that's going on all the time? to improve our chances of success, to improve our chances of happiness. Given that connection and somebody is dealing with negative thoughts because if the body's going to respond to the thoughts just as if they're real. Mm -hmm. And, and well, how, how, how does, how do you help people get to that first victory where they can overcome those negative thoughts? Well, the first point is communicating the reality of the connection between their thoughts, their emotional state, their physical state, and how they subsequently behave, what they subsequently do, the quality of their subsequent execution, just establishing an understanding of that connection. How do you think? What are you telling yourself? What are you remembering? All those conscious thoughts that you maintain, sometimes even without knowing that you're maintaining them, how does that affect your emotional state? Do you feel relaxed? Do you feel tight? Do you feel uh, comfortable? Do you feel worried? How is that literally affecting your body? Heart rate, blood flow, muscle tension, pupillary dilation, uh, hormone production. And how are all those physical factors affecting your ability to recall information on the physics final exam or uh, kick the ball appropriately in that game-winning, potentially game-winning field goal against your biggest rival, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Once you understand that connection, the next step is, okay, let's now start being a little more careful about how we think, a little more selective. Let's employ what I refer to as a, a mental filter. Let's, let's deliberately bring into our consciousness certain memories about the past, certain thoughts and statements and stories about yourself in the present, and certain pictures, short video clips from your imagination about the future. And let's build a large, as, you, as we put it, bank account, a large repository of those constructive, helpful, thoughts, memories, stories, visions. And if we have enough of those, we're likely to walk around with a lot more certainty that we can accomplish what we set out to accomplish. 
that's the first couple of steps in the process, Tim. Awesome. And is that how the success cycle works? Or I guess it's also how the sewer cycle works. Yes, exactly. It's, 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 it's just a question of what are the qualities of your conscious thoughts? You know, the challenge I put out to people, um, which I first picked up from my mentor at the University of Virginia, a great sports psychologist by the name of Bob Rotella. The challenge is this. Do your thoughts is the quality of your conscious thoughts consistent with the experience that you want to have, with the level of performance that you want to have? If that, if you say, yes, the quality of my thoughts is consistent with my performance, then you are setting yourself up for success because you are telling yourself the kinds of things that are gonna put you in a good emotional state, a state of certainty, confidence, and that is going to relax the muscles, open up the eyes, open up the blood flow, produce some oxytocin, produce some endorphins, produce some hormones that are constructive to, to, to growth and health. And that's gonna always put you in position to have the best possible execution and achieve the best possible outcome. And if then you can reflect upon that outcome and generate more of the productive, helpful thoughts, you will succeed in continuing that cycle. By the same token, if, mo if your default setting regarding a particular task or a particular requirement in your life is, uh-oh, I hate this. Why do I have to do this? I don't think this is going to turn out well. I've never had success with this before. It's kind of scary. Then you just put yourself in an emotional state of low-level fear. And when you're in a state of low-level fear, your muscles are going to tighten. Your blood flow is going to constrict. Your body is going to produce some cortisol, which moves energy through your body, but it also eats away at the inner lining of your arteries. That's not a good thing. Um, and as a result, being in that physical state is not conducive to the best execution. Whether we're talking about doing a heart transplant surgery, whether we're talking about negotiating a deal, whether we're talking about throwing that important pass on third and 18 to a tightly covered receiver at a pretty, at a critical moment of the game. It's really like, I don't know, this kind of stuff excites me because it, it really kind of just highlights the wonder in our design because we really do get to be creators and like we can create the outcomes or the realities or get a lot closer to them by how we feed our thoughts or how we use our thoughts. Um, so we're not really stuck unless we almost want to be that way with our thoughts. Yes, uh, very much so. This is the way we are wired, if you will, constructed. Um, and unfortunately, so much of our early and adolescent socialization doesn't support that. Mm. And so many of the things that we grow up believing really interferes with the proper application, the proper um, development of a confident attitude. You know, if, if you were told throughout your middle school and high school career that the team that makes the fewest mistakes wins, and you buy that, mm. 
well, then you're going to be kind of cautious about not making a mistake out there. And well, let's face it, every team makes mistakes. You know, I watched Tom Brady th throw four god awful passes in a game, and he's the greatest that ever played. If you have the belief that the team that makes the fewest mistakes wins, then one of those inevitable mistakes takes place in the early parts of the game, you're likely to go, uh oh, we're making mistakes. We might not win. Now, you might not be willing to acknowledge that thought, but if that's a belief you've bought into, you're probably going to think that and you're going to tighten up. And that's just going to lead to a greater possibility, a greater probability of future mistakes. You know? So I tell my clients, no, it's not the team or the individual that makes the fewest mistakes that wins. It's the team or the individual that plays really well between inevitable moments of human imperfection. Those mistakes are going to happen. You just have to respond to them constructively. And there's a method for doing that. Yeah, I think one of the other things you do really well is, at least from the stories and the dialogues uh, in, in your book, is that you help people overcome their thought processes, either with a paradigm shift or, or, or asking them questions. Um, and one of and this was brilliant to me because I've never I've never seen it this way before. But your example of a big fish in a small pond getting getting moved into a bigger pond, I thought was such an amazing twist on of thinking that it was just brilliant. Well, thank you very much for the compliment. Um, I deal with that situation daily, almost in that you know especially here at West Point, I mean, this is a pretty elite institution, but the admissions process wouldn't have allowed you to come in to this elite institution if you didn't have a heck of a lot of good stuff going for yourself, you know? Um, a high school athlete who was a, you know, two-time All-State player, captain of her team, senior year, leading scorer, most valuable player, is a relatively big, happy fish in her respective high school pond. So you pick that fish up and you deposit that healthy, strong, well-developed fish into a much larger pond, the United States Military Academy, where she has access to much better training facilities, much better coaches, a whole network of equally talented teammates that can help her grow. It's like putting a healthy fish into a big pond where, she, where the fish has more space to move, more food in the environment to eat. What happens to a healthy fish when you put it into a big pond? Well, it just gets bigger. And that's what I encourage all my clients to think about as they move from high school to college, from college to um, Olympic development camp, from college to the professional ranks, you know, in the case of football um, and, and, and baseball and basketball, you're just moving into a bigger pond. You haven't suddenly shrunk. You just have to think of yourself as a great big happy fish. And now you're in a place where you can get bigger and stronger and better. And if you maintain that, as you put it, Tim, paradigm shift internally, 
wow, going to a NFL training camp, going from high school to junior hockey, from junior hockey to division one hockey. It's not such a scary experience. It's just an opportunity to grow and you can get really excited about it. Yes. And, and for the listeners too, um, Dr. Zinser also refers to white collar athletes. Yeah. So this is not just for the, the person playing sports or in physical performance. Oh, exactly. The, the same process would apply to, you know, somebody earning an MBA somewhere and then joining a, you know, Fortune 500 company with a lot of upward mobility. And that guy could say, well, okay, I made it this far, but now I'm in the big time and it's a little scary here and it's a little different here. I would encourage that individual to say, hey, look, they picked you for a reason, pal. You're a great big healthy fish and you just jumped into the great big ocean and now there's a whole lot more to eat and a whole lot room, a lot of room to move and you just joined a school of great big fish. Uh, now you got partners and now you got uh, support and there's no limit to how big you can become. Same process, absolutely. Dr. Zinser, thank you so much. When, when does The Confident Mind come out? When are, when are people able to get a copy? Um, this book will launch uh, 25 January. You can simply uh, Google Confident Mind, HarperCollins, and that will take you to a page where you can pre-order. You can pre-order from Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, wherever you choose to get books online, and it will be available in bookstores everywhere uh, after that date. And along with The Confident Mind, if you could have one thing somebody could do right now after listening to this that would maybe make their life a little bit better or help them become just a little bit more successful, what would it be? I'll give you two really quick things. Yeah. At the end of your day, look back at your day. And ask yourself, where did I give quality effort today? Where did I decide not to procrastinate and get something done that I maybe wasn't all fired up about? What little thing did I succeed at? What little thing did I get right? Where do I seem to be making progress in my career or my sport or my profession? That little ESP reflection might take you five minutes. It's worth doing. It's a way to build up a mental bank account that'll make you more certain, make you more confident. That's thing number one. Thing number two is, why don't you just cultivate the habit of talking to yourself the way you know you talk to your best friend when he or she's not feeling great? Wow. How, about, how about giving yourself a little bit of that same you know, helpfulness that you pretty much naturally give to your best friend? when he or she is you know, not feeling great or has suffered a setback or a disappointment, why don't you talk to yourself like that? Just get in that habit. You know you have the capability to give it because you give it to your best friend and it's okay to give it to yourself. The big misconception, the big lie is that if you start, if you start talking to yourself that way, you're gonna become lazy and complacent and you'll lose your edge your aggressiveness um that is complete baloney you will be more fired up 
about going to do things and getting after things and working hard and making progress. If you encourage yourself rather than criticize yourself. So do a daily reflection ESP and start being your own best friend, darn it. That's Doc Z's advice for the day. That was great. Oh, that was amazing. Congratulations on your new book. Um, if you are listening, do yourself a favor. Check this out. The Confident Mind, a battle-tested guide to unshakable performance. Thank you so much, Dr. Zinser. Thank you, Tim. Best of luck to you. Have a great holiday season. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend.